welcome to the Greenville Smart Podcast. I'm your host, Elaine McNamara, the Director of Operations here at the Smart Center in Greenville and Director of the Chamber of Commerce of Greenville, but that doesn't really have anything to do with this today's particular podcast. But uh, we are going to get into um, some discussion about Greenville, Greenville University. Uh, Perhaps you've noticed more of a social media presence at Greenville University lately and in Greenville in general. And that might be because there's a a new fella, well, a returning fella to town, actually. And his name is Rob Clark. And Rob Clark is my guest today. Welcome, Rob. Thanks for having me, Elaine. Hey, glad to have you here. And um, for those of you who don't know, Rob uh, went to school, and I don't want to say Greenville University because back then it was Greenville College. That's right, GC. There you go. And then here back again. But we're going to get to the back again uh, a little bit later on. Now, where are you from originally? So I grew up in Glispie, so 35, 40 minutes down the road. I didn't realize that you were semi-local. Semi-local. Okay. So then you knew of Greenville College from living around here. Exactly. My first experience, uh, high school youth group that I was a part of, because towns are small, a lot of our small towns got together. And Sonia Jones, who is also an alum here of Greenville University, uh, our youth groups would often combine. And she came to college here first because she's a few years older. And she brought a bunch of us down to Agape Musical Festival. That was the big deal. And that was the first introduction I ever had of Greenville and then I kind of got on the radar as well for basketball and then all these years later here we are yeah and then that all worked out and of course coming to Greenville College uh, changed your life in more ways than one you played basketball here you uh, what'd you major in it was history education oh okay yeah so I taught for two years Okay. Two long years. <laughs> and <laughs> no, and high great. school or? Was, yes, high school. And was that local or was that? Uh, the first year I taught um, because when I graduated, I at that time was dating a girl, so wanted to stay close by. And so I was in Decatur, Illinois. So that was within okay. driving distance. And then that following summer, we were married. And so oh, okay. I came down to a little school, Livingston, Illinois, yeah. which is like 20 minutes down the road, which no longer exists. And now it's a big antique shop. Oh, that's kind of sad. So, well, I mean. It went downhill after I left. So well, that's all I got to say. <laughs> hey, there could be some, uh, I don't some know. relation there. I don't know. Well, I was hoping that you were going to say that that girl that convinced you to stay local was the, the lovely uh, wife of yours that you went on to marry. And she, too, went to Greenville. College. Right, right. We met there, and and she happened to be the only Canadian on campus. So after we got married, we decided to go to Canada, and we were there for twenty years oh my before we decided to come back down here to the U.S. So you were what, what? When did you leave Canada? What year was that? We left right as the pandemic was happening, and so it was an interesting thing. We were already in the process of immigration for my wife. But because of COVID, everything just got really crazy. So for us to get across the border, we couldn't drive, but we could fly. Oh. And so we sold everything. So wow. we sold our house, all of our belongings. And so we had six suitcases and got on a plane and came down here to the U.S. and 
started like true immigrants. That is crazy. And that would be crazy just for two people, but it wasn't just two people coming down yeah. here. Yeah, we have four kids that were born and raised in Canada, but now they're they're down here as well, obviously. Oh my gosh. So everything, you guys just got rid of everything? Yeah, her parents still live there. So there, I think there's maybe four boxes of like photo albums. Uh, I think some <sighs> basketball cards. <laughs> wow. Things like that that we left there behind and... Uh, and actually, there's a few boxes that I think they shipped down. So not very many, but it was like winter boots, winter jackets. Wow, that's so. a, that's amazing. Now, in, in some ways, that you know, that's probably you know, like for kids especially, kind of hard hard to do, let go of everything. But in other ways, was it kind of freeing? Well, it's one of those things. It is interesting if you could imagine kind of starting over from scratch, yeah. and so selling and getting rid of almost everything. Um, in some ways as you jump on that plane and, you know, it's kind of feels fun in some ways because you're starting life again and then you get to like, okay, well we, this kitchen table is too small. Let's get a different one or this couch we didn't like. And so basically all the money we, we had from selling all the items, we just bought the stuff that we needed and then we didn't buy the things that we no longer needed. But it's, it's amazing how quickly that was only two years ago. But how quickly we have a storage shed full of things that well, we don't use all that often. That is amazing. I had no idea that you guys did that. So what, before you left Canada, were you teaching in Canada? No. So I taught for two years and that, that was it. And then so I kind of, I really like to do new things. I, I, I'm definitely a fan of always trying new things and having new experiences. And so which I'm sure we'll get into this. What we're doing now is I think perfect because social media is always changing. There's always a new platform oh, yeah. that you need to learn and, and to need to master. And so in some ways, it's it's a perfect role right now. But uh, I jumped into business for almost a decade, I guess 11 years, so that's a little more than a decade. Sure. <laughs> Not good with math. Uh, and then uh, that was in Saskatoon, which is my wife's hometown. Okay. And then for a few years, we were in Vancouver, British Columbia, where I was an executive pastor of a fast-growing church. Um, so we did that for several oh, years. Wow. And then we moved back to her hometown to plant a church. And so we did that for a number of years before we moved down here. Wow, that is quite a journey. I, I didn't know about this in between. That's pretty uh, amazing. And then the pandemic hits, of course. Um, how did that, how was that for your church? So, yeah, so at that point we, we so again, to get to kind of stay with the theme of my life is that I, I love to start things and new mm-hmm. things. And so the planting of the church was amazing. Um, love that process, gathering people and getting people on board and the vision and finding a spot and getting everything set up and, you know, really getting the word out there of a new church and uh, collaborating and working and partnering with local churches once we got up and established and got it going, then I realized like, that's not what I wanted to do. Right. So, which works out well because there, there's people now and other churches can say, okay, well, we can take this ministry that you started. And so when the pandemic hit, by then I already transitioned into working with churches in a couple provinces oh. for like church growth strategy and sure. how to reach new people. And so I kind of transitioned into that. So when the pandemic hit, um, it really didn't change our lifestyle all that oh, much. Okay. Um, and we knew that we were going to transition to come down to the U.S. That, yeah, that so was by happening that, anyway. Yeah, by that point, it was, yeah, the church was no longer a part of our portfolio. Oh, okay. So then for, you're coming to the U.S. What was your first stop? Had you already, let me ask you this. 
You've got a big presence on social media. And um, if you don't know, folks, that's called That Tall Family. Correct. Did that start before you left? No, no, that that started. So when we moved down, uh, I took a job at Spring Arbor University in in Michigan Okay. uh, because of a connection here. One of the basketball coaches that I had during my time here at Greenville University uh, was a man named Doug Wilcoxon, who is now a VP at Spring Arbor. And so we stay connected and there's a role there and and we moved there for that. And and it was a, it was a fun and it was fun and is a new industry for me. And there's a lot of great things about our time there. But that was also during the height of covid. And so school was being shut down uh, sports and we got a big sports family. Uh, were being shut down so the kids couldn't play sports. So we decided to move down to Georgia where things were pretty normal compared oh, to most of the world. That's true. And so that is when, when, when we're leaving, um, I was obviously going to quit my job. And that's when we decided to push into that tall family. So that's, it was created March of, I guess, a year and a half ago. And okay. so that's about 18 months ago, we decided to push in because this is something that I've done for a long time. I've always made videos. I've always been into marketing. Uh, so it's something that I was very familiar with. And this was the first time where I was like, I've helped other people. I've helped other businesses. Why don't we just do it for ourselves? I think the timing is right. We could push into and create a family brand. And that's when that tall family was was kind of birthed. So how did you present this to your family? Did you just kind of start putting videos out there and said, hey, look, I mean, how did it start? Yeah, no, no. So we even when we were back up in Canada, TikTok kind of came on the scene. Mm-hmm. And so because of the pandemic, a lot of people are you know, sitting around scrolling on their phones yeah. and creating content. So we created a few videos and, and they were they were doing well. And so kind of knew that had an eye for especially that platform. And so it was something that I was using heavily in my job at Spring Arbor as well in the admissions and just seeing how well it was reaching students. Um, so when we decided to go in full time, I mean, it really was like, hey, Rachelle, my wife, it's like, if we go to Georgia, I don't have a job. I could try to find a job. What if we just go all in on the social media thing that we've kind of been around? And even when I think probably for two or three years span, um, when we were in Canada, I did a lot of vlogging. So this was kind of like the home movies that would be, you know, eight to 15 minutes. Uh, So if we do road trips, I'd always create these movies and And so those were all living on YouTube. So it's something the family was very used to. Uh, We did a lot of content already. Um, So it wasn't a big leap. It wasn't like, hey, now we're going to create content as a family. Um, It's one of those things that the kids have been doing for a very long time. Um, And now it's just like, hey, why don't we just do this and try to really, you know, basically make it our living. And so for them, they're like, yeah, sure. Why not? That's great. Well, how did you know when it was really taking off? What was the... Oh, hey, this is on fire. Yeah, so when we were packing up our things, um, I think it really was probably a day or two after we decided to go all in, um, create that tall family accounts across all the all the different medias. And we did a video, um, just me and my son, as we're literally packing things up to move down to Georgia. Um, and then within a couple of days, it was at a million. And I was like, wow. okay, I was like, okay, well, I think, you know, my thesis is going to play out. Um, and so for the first couple of months, it was really just creating a lot of content 
and it was performing well, getting lots of views, very engaged on there. And then I think within two to three months was the first offer. Well, right away, maybe actually I take that back about a month in, we got an offer from a very small company. Um, and so I think I was reaching out to them now that I think about it and it was like $500 to do a video for them. And so that's when I was like, okay, this will work. And then it was around the three month mark when general mills was our first really like big job. Um, so early on we, we knew we had something. Um, and then obviously just as the views continue to go up and then it just built momentum from there. So when you got a general mills, did it build a relationship? Did you continue or was it like, here's what we want you to do for this project? Or? Yeah. Most, most time in the influencer world, um, especially because we're still relatively new, even mm -hmm. though I've been doing this a long time, uh, as a brand, we're only 18 months old. Yeah. And so right now we're at 1.5 billion views across wow. our platforms. And so we're still probably, and I don't know if we'd be, you know, we're not huge. And so there's a lot of influencers much bigger than us, but we're no longer small. Right. So, you know, kind of that medium size where most of the brand deals are one off. Okay. Where they would come to us and, and pitch. But General Mills, we work with a few times. Uh, Walmart a few times. And so when you work with some companies and it performs well, then it's just easier for them to come back to you. That's pretty great. Yeah. And do, so when they reach out to you, do they just go directly through whatever social media they found you on and, and message you? And Yeah, mo most of the time there is a third party agency okay. that they'll use that oh, they hire the out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So most time. Sense. And then there's a few times there's a few brands that have reached out directly. And they just send you like a contract or something yeah, for whatever yeah. you're doing. Right, right. What is the the strangest <laughs> um, uh, brand or that, that just surprised you the most that they wanted to? Yeah, there hasn't been. I, I don't think there's been anything strange. Yeah. I, I think for us, there's been a few times that that there's some products that we just had to say no to that weren't yeah. necessarily bad. Right. But like as a family, we're 100 percent plant based, so we don't eat any oh. animal products. And we say plant-based because I have no problem with people eating steak and hamburgers. Like we have leather products. Right. So we're not activists, but just for health reasons. Right. But so there's been times where I think it was actually Walmart that offered us a job to do the ribs. Oh. And, it, and so it, it's like, I don't know if you're going to eat ribs. I don't know if I would recommend Walmart ribs. Uh, yeah. But I didn't even know they I didn't know they had any either, so they may not anymore. So all that to say, there's been some of those times where it's just, it's not the right fit. Right. Um, and then there's been a few where it's just, they, they come to us and they just not be very fun. I just, oh, I can't yeah. have, there, there's nothing that would come to mind. Like, how would we make this interesting without just being an ad? And so we'd say no to a few of those. Yeah. But then there's sometimes where the Toronto Raptors who coming from Canada, and being a huge basketball family, like when they came to us and offered us a job, like we we would have done it for free. Like, right. Yeah, obviously, like we would 100% do this for free. Tell them that. I know. They're not, they're not, <laughs> hopefully they're not listening or hopefully they are. But um, so that was a really fun thing to do uh, a brand deal with them. And then there's been some that are just kind of cool, like big iconic brands like Nickelodeon. So that, that was pretty That's cool. That's fun. And so how, how have the kids, how has this changed their uh lives I, I i just to to give you kind of what i'm an example of what i'm talking about so someone mentioned uh your family to me this is before you moved here and they said oh yeah uh, mom and dad went to to greenville and 
like, okay, I'm going to check this out. And I started watching them and started watching them. And some other people around here started watching them. So one day I'm standing on the street right down here. And I see uh, your family walk by without you. And I'm talking to somebody else and I slap them on the chest. I said, it's that tall family. Yeah. And then I felt like a big goober because I <laughs> stopped your wife and kids. And um, I got to say, does that, does that ever like, is it ever uncomfortable for them or are they embracing it? Uh, yeah, no, the, the kids have been good. So the filming part of it where that's been something that we've done as a family for a long time. And so it's not like we're spending a lot of time filming. Right. Where most of our videos are under a minute. And so we, depending on the day, it may only be 15 minutes or not even that of creating content. And every day it's not every kid. And so right. sometimes it's my wife and I, and, and we mix it up. And so for them, that actual part of it's quite normal. Right. One of the reasons that we called ourselves that tall family, and it's not super creative, but that was something that we've heard previously because yeah. there's six of us, my son, my oldest son being seven foot one, me being six foot six, my younger daughter being six foot one. No matter where we go, people would say, oh, it's that tall family. Exactly. Even before that, you know, we did social media at the scale that we're doing it. But then there's also times where I remember a couple of years ago, we were on vacation uh, down at Disney as a family. And so Carter may have only been like six, eight or six, nine at the time, but we were in the, in the washroom and someone starts talking to him and wanting to take a picture and Carter's like, can we wait till we like go outside? <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird. And so that was happening with, with Carter quite a bit already. And so one thing that I think has been healthy for the family is that it kind of spreads it out now. And yeah. so another time that we were at Disney, we loved going to Disney. Um, some girls came up to my daughters and wanted photos with them because they followed them on social. Oh, and okay. so, so in some ways it kind of lightens the load. So it's not just Carter being targeted. Right. Um, that having said that now, since we moved here and going to football games on a Friday night, you know, there's times that people want pictures with him, but sometimes it's with the girls or the whole family. Um, but for the most part, life is very normal. Okay. Um, and they probably handle it very well, I would right. say. When I saw yeah. them, they were they were very uh, nice. They're polite yeah. kids, and um, they don't. Uh, I don't know. They didn't seem scared by the crazy lady. They just yeah. No, 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 not at all. And, and most people, and that's the thing. People that come and talk to us are always kind and nice. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's just as human beings, it's nice when people are nice to you, and and yeah. so it hasn't been an issue at all, and. Uh, the other side of it is that online that sometimes people can be negative. And we found early on, it felt like there was more negative comments than there are even now. Okay. And so, but now it's at a point where we can't get to every single comment or every single message, but the vast majority is positive. I would think so. Right. The vast majority is positive. And so it's, it's been a very positive experience as a whole. Um, but, you know, kids can be you know, mean, even if you're yeah. on, not on social. Uh, so it's the typical things like, oh, you're too tall or you're too skinny. <laughs> oh, so ridiculous. I mean, it's just the things that, you know, or sometimes tall people die sooner. I'm like, okay. Oh, th thank you. <laughs> thanks for the heads up. Thanks for the research. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I And I find, you know, um, on a smaller scale, working with um, a community or whatnot, you're always going to have people that have negative comments about something. It doesn't matter if you paint your building a, a color that somebody else doesn't like. There might be one person who doesn't like it, but you know, the majority who do like it, 
the happy people, the positive people aren't always going to voice their opinion. And the negative people, sometimes it's their only outlet. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have no one else to talk to in some cases. And I think it's more of a reflection on those people than it is on the people who they're aiming it at. A hundred percent. And that's what I tell my kids all the time, that if someone takes time, energy, and effort to say something negative, that mm-hmm. they must be hurting. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, I think that is the case. Yeah. They're hurting and it's their chance to, you know, get a little attention or maybe a little interaction even, I'm, you know, and sometimes, you know, that it, it, I would say most, of the, most 99.9% of the time is just that that's the case up there. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that your kids are handling it well from what uh, you've said and what I can, I can see. And, and I would imagine too, um, you know, kids can be shy, kids can be introverted and I know as um, I was a very, very shy, painfully shy child, sometimes immersing yourself in that public eye actually really helps you right. in the long run. Right. Yeah. And especially in the world that we live in now, mm-hmm. um, social media is not going away. Right. So we can have debates on whether it's good for society or bad for society. Right. But either way, it doesn't matter. So we need, as human beings, need to learn how to navigate with it. Um, and so I'm hoping, and that's part of our plan as parents, is how can we use this for the benefit of our kids? Mm-hmm. Already there, there's some things where it, it's fun, obviously, to get paid <laughs> to yeah, create sure. content. And it's fun. Uh, like my girls are really pushing in uh, to their, so, their own social media accounts. And so they're always getting free musical instruments that's or free awesome. clothing or free makeup. And it's just as a teenage girl, that's something they really enjoy and have fun yeah. with. So that's cool. But it is opening up opportunities as well. Um, this past year, um, Carter um, auditioned Red for uh, a movie role. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and it got pretty far. And at one point, we're on Zoom with a fairly well-known Hollywood actor, producer. And so it's, it's some cool opportunities like that. So for Carter, because he does enjoy the arts, he does enjoy literature and reading communications. So that was a, a fun experience for him. Yeah. Um, and they just uh, ultimately well, it was someone that was a little bit older than, than Carter for the movie. Oh, okay. But it was a cool experience for him. Um, and then the same thing for the rest of the kids, knowing that it's just going to open up opportunities for them t- yeah. for whatever they decide to do. Um, and so, and also it's the world that we live in to teach our kids because we teach them how to ride a bike. We teach them how to swim and things that, that you need to know in life. Mm-hmm. And so for us to teach our kids how to handle social media, um, and of course there, there is dangers if you do it wrong, right. just as there's dangers in swimming or riding a bike if you do it wrong. And mm-hmm. so for as parents, that's just where we, and obviously we're probably a little more extreme than most, but I think in five years from now, more families will look like ours and and how they do social media. I think that's great. I think they're going to be on social media anyway, and this way you're going along with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's 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 protecting them and guiding them in the the right direction. Whereas, um, you know, you might not know if they were on otherwise. You might not know what's going on, but you've got an eye on it, and you've got a you know teaching them the right way to do things, yeah. and it's a positive. Uh, you know, it's it's putting positive energy out there. As, uh, you know, yeah. the more we do that, the more we spread uh, good news and good examples. Well, then it it dilutes the negative yeah. a lot more. And that's definitely one of the things that we decided. My wife and I decided is that because 
you do hear this all the time is like, we don't allow our children to go on social media mm -hmm. because of all the negative things. And, and th th that's true. There right. are some, there are some horrible things on there, but there's some really bad books out there. There's some really bad TV shows out there. Uh, so it, it, it doesn't mean that there's not good stuff, but for us as a family, we really wanted to be, it's a biblical term to be that salt and that light. Right. And so we wanted to provide an alternative to, to good content, to good family. And so we do want to show what does it look like with a husband and a wife to have a healthy relationship, to have a good relationship with their kids. And, and so TikTok is a little bit more short. And so you can't see that as much, but definitely on the other platforms like YouTube and Instagram, where we can tell a bit more of our story, that's where a lot of that plays out. And, and so it's just something that we want to do, provide an alternative out there. And so yeah. it's just even something as little as a lot of the trends may have a swear and a song where we're like, we won't do that. Right. It's not that we're saying that that's bad, but we want to provide this content that literally anyone in the family could watch right? and it would be appropriate. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's what we need. I think we need a lot more of that. And, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great start. And, um, so you're, you're doing the social media, you're, in Georgia from George now did you come here from Georgia we we had like a long summer in North Carolina okay. <laughs> so we weren't sure where we we're gonna head and um, there was just an opportunity and then in North Carolina so we were there for a short amount of time the opportunity never panned out but we were there and yeah so we enjoyed it as a new area we never been to and, and it was a good place for the summer a nice city but we knew that we weren't gonna stay there long term and so having family in the area, we decided to come back and just kind of like, okay, where would we want to live? And there's lots of great places in, in this area. Oh, yeah. But ultimately, we decided that we are going to come to Greenville because um, my wife and I had a positive experience here. There is something special about Greenville as well. I think so. So for us, of course, it was easier because there was a lot of contacts. Uh, you know, my old basketball coach is still here. Yeah. Some of the friends that I went to college with uh, work in leadership. The president of the college, uh, we were at school at the same time. So there's just a lot of those type of things that it's like there's a lot of people that we know. And even in sure. the church that we go to, there's a lot of people we knew. But if that was all taken away, because we do travel around, you know, family in Gillespie and my grandma's in Verdon, Illinois. I got cousins in Edwardsville. Yeah. Um, as we travel around, there is something different about Greenville. Uh, for us, we feel like it's there's this charm, and we're trying to yeah. we're trying to figure it out still. Like, what is it about Greenville that's so different? Because there's other towns like Carlinville has a college, and and it's a nice town. Yeah. But for us, it just feels like Greenville's just still different somehow. I know. And trying to put our finger on what that is. Um, but for us, it was an easy decision to move back here. That's awesome. That Yeah, and I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, there was something that drew me here as well, and I hear that from a lot of people, a lot, especially a lot of people from outside of town that came to work for the university, or maybe they just, uh, see, I told you, I would, <laughs> I try to turn my phone off, and then it, uh, I'm not good about that. But, um, yeah, that same thing, there's something that just drew them here or drew them back here, yeah. and uh, it's the charm. Maybe it's the, we. some of us feel like we're on the verge of something mm -hmm. even bigger, you know, um, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. And then, so you, you, uh, came back here and now you're with uh, the university yeah. as, uh, you're working. What, what is your title that, that I don't know. So 
I have this little ID card, <laughs> yeah. and on the ID card it says "Content Creator." Okay, that's what I thought. So that's that's the title, and so it. But you're doing a little bit more. It, it could be. It it's pretty vague. Okay. Um, but vague on purpose. Right. And so I, I think, and some of it is is creating content without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe that content right now, the world that we live in, and I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, mm. really is the oxygen for a lot of organizations. Because right now, awareness is almost exclusively through social media. Yeah. Back in the day, if we read these old school business books, you know, they, they call it the word of the mouth. But word of mouth does happen on social media. Right. And so when we pr- pass each other on the street, we may some we may say something like, "You got to go try out this restaurant," and that's kind of one to one, and that's great. But on social media, when I talk about a restaurant, it's being seen by a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand, depending on who you are. And so that's just the world that we live in. So part of my role at at Greenville is, well, this is probably the best way to explain it. About two months ago, when we came back to visit my mom in Gillespie, we came down to the to Greenville for a day to visit the campus. Uh, one of my friends from college was showing me around, director of alumni, Dwayne Neely, showing us around. We were actually in the Smart Center when he was showing me this building. I was like, this is amazing. You know, even the room where we're in, you know, the exposed brick and the bright windows, the light. It's like, this is awesome. Because yeah. when we went to college 20 years ago, it was just a different time. And so coming back to see like these new buildings and these new programs, it's like, man, this is awesome. As an alumni, I didn't even know about this. Right. Like, or even someone that spent, you know, a lot of years in Greenville. I didn't know about all these things happening in the town. Um, and then he's like, yeah, it's kind of, we always say it's the best kept secret. Yeah. Which, you know, is is kind of an insult in some ways. Yeah, you don't want it to you be. You don't want it to be. And so I think my role at the college is a little bit of that. How do we do away with that idea that mm. we're the best kept secret? And for the university, and I think it, it applies to Greenville as a town, as a community, so just as much, is that we don't want everyone to go to Greenville University. We don't want everyone to move to Greenville, Illinois. But there are a lot of students and a lot of families in America, and maybe even outside of America, where this would be the best place for them. Mm-hmm. So we just want to document what it would look like to live here, to study here, to play here, to work here, and then the people that need to be here will be here. So our job is simply to show everybody this is what it looks like to live in Greenville, to study at Greenville University, uh, you know, to work, to play, to live. Um, and so my wife and I, whether or not we would work for the college, we're already talking about what, you know, how do we, how do we document our transition to Greenville and how do we show others? Because I, I do believe that there are a lot of families out there that it would be so much healthier and they would thrive in an environment like Greenville. Um, And so, of course, we don't want this to become a city of a million people. Right. But there are a bunch of families that I think if they lived here, um, they would they would thrive as a family. And so we're we're hoping to be a part of that. I know there's a lot of people doing a lot of work and, and a lot of eyeballs are coming to Greenville. And so hopefully we can use our platform a little bit to 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 play our part. Sure. And I think that that's already happening. I'm seeing a I'm seeing that you've been working with some of our some of the people you mentioned, Dwayne Neely, um, Suzanne Davis. Um, Their faces are are a lot more um, on social media, which is excellent because I think they've got a good personality for it. Um, And uh, I think that's going to help quite a bit. And especially. 
with Dwayne um, bringing the alumni stories uh, and then Suzanne showing what's going on now. I think that's great. And you've been a, a, a big help to me just planting the seeds, you know, because Rob and I are in the same office space. And I'll say, you know, I, I could use all the pointers you can give. And you just it's simple pointers. And you're right. Just simply just make some content content yeah. and get it out there. And already seeing some good results from that. So even in the short time. So, yeah, I think uh, it's a great it's a great combination. Um, you, your family, Greenville and um, everyone else here. It, things are coming together. And I think it's 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 weird how it all happens, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a, yeah. like you said, it's a it's a calling and, a, and maybe it's a God thing is what a lot of people say. Yeah. Um, yeah, we believe so. Yeah, so it's great. And you've got a lot of other things. Then this is what kind of happens when you join the Greenville University family. You've got your role, your content creator. Um, you're also doing some, is it teaching or you're taking some interns in and what's going on? Yeah, so we're trying to connect with some students that uh, ultimately want to be an influencer on, on whatever level. And so influencer, you know, we think of, first comes to mind like a Kim Kardashian type right. thing uh, or you know one of her sisters uh, or yeah. Mr. Beast one of the biggest YouTubers in the world type thing so we think of people like that which of of course those are you know kind of one in 10 million or one right. in 100 million but there can be hundreds of thousands of influencers that make 30,000 40,000 100,000 dollars a year doing what they love yeah creating content around something they absolutely love and their passions about and so part of my role is and it it is selfish a little bit but (laughs) i want to work with students and help them to build their brands Mm -hmm. because they want you know whether it's music or it's dance or it's business or it's basketball whatever it may be that if they build their brands then a couple things are going to happen one they're going to have a better experience Mm -hmm. here um, two, I think that as just as an individual and as a student, it, it's more than just classroom learning. But the selfish part of it is, is that once we start having what I think a term people use is micro influencers. Yeah. So we get a bunch of students that, you know, right now they, they have a thousand followers or 500 followers or some that I'm working with have zero. They haven't started sure. yet. But at the end of the year, we can get them to 10,000 or 20,000 or 30,000. Um, then all of a sudden, if you get enough of those, then high school students that they went to school with are watching their content. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're seeing through the eyes of a student, what does it look like to study at Greenville, to be a student at Greenville? And again, gets back to what we said just just a minute ago is that then they get to opt in. We're, We're not trying to sell Greenville to anybody but we just want to show what does it look like to be a student here. Right. Um, and the thing with the alumni is that some people get the misconception of if I go to Greenville because it is a smaller school, you know, with 800 students and, you know, even growing to 1,000 or one day if we're at 1,500 students at a smaller school, you get this perception of, well, what can I do if I go to a small school? And then as we show these alumni, it's crazy the amount, like yeah. we have – we have people running at the highest levels, NBA basketball teams, and you know people working at Apple at the highest levels, and we got so many doctors and lawyers and professionals. But at the same time, we have, and, and this is what I wanna highlight as well, we have um, moms and dads that, that stay at home 
and that have successful businesses out of their home. Mm -hmm. uh, we have people that have really balanced and, and just pushing into the, you know, whatever family life they want to do. And so really you can be anything. And so that's what we want to highlight the students that are here now and the students that have come from Greenville. Um, and it really is amazing the type of people that are here now and the type of people that have come from here. Oh, yeah. And so just by telling those stories, I think people will be really surprised uh, and sometimes shocked. That's like, wow, there's there's some really amazing people that have come through this town. There really are. And I think the the beautiful thing um, is that because it is still small, you get easier access to connect with those people too. And they're all, are, the alumni are fantastic. They're always willing to reach out, talk yeah. to the prospective yeah. students or the current students and, and help them, you know, once they, you know, get through uh, their college experience. So, and on to the next there, it's uh, it's a great network. It's very impressive. And uh, it's, it's also, uh, I don't know how to say it. You can, it, you could trust these people. Right. You don't feel right. like you're, you know, I, I don't feel somewhere else you they might not have the intentions that you know that these yeah. people have that have been through this and it's a very warm community. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and that's some of the beauty of small town where people may have the wrong idea of a small town. It's like, well, everybody knows who you are. Uh, everyone could be in your business. You, you, some of those ideas that small towns can bring. Yeah. But there's probably more positives to that than not. Yeah. And it, if COVID taught us a lot of lessons, but one of the things is that the world is a very lonely place. Yeah. And one of the things that even just last night as we were over at some friend's house talking about this is that people want to be known. People want to be cared for. People want to be loved and to love people. And so that's something that can happen in a town like this where, oh, yeah. you know, mo moving from cities, you know, outside of Atlanta and a bigger city in North Carolina, a fairly good sized city in Canada. It, life's just harder to spend time with people, to have relationships with people. I, I, uh, you can be isolated. You can be lonely. And so in a place like Greenville, um, that it, of course, you can still be isolated. You could be yeah. lonely, but it's really uh, more situated and suited and easier to connect with people um, because you do see them often you right. know you, you're probably at the same church and mm -hmm. your kids are at the same school and uh, you know we don't have that many restaurants so you're going to run into each other right. when you're eating out going and, to the store and going to the yeah. store last night the grocery store like we were picking up stuff and ran into several friends mm -hmm. and and so sometimes people feel like oh that's that's a negative um, but i think if people realize what life's all about it's it's actually pretty awesome to have it it really is and uh, you're you know sometimes you're living in a big city you might not even know the person that lives next door to you yeah. um and what you'll find here in greenville and towns around greenville it, even if people don't know you very well if something yeah. tragic happens in your life there you're going to see a community that's going to rally around you yeah. and help you if you just say hey i need help or if one of your friends notices that you need help you're going to find a community that rallies around you where in a big city, they may never know that you need right. anything. Yeah. So. Exactly. And, and whether, and of course there's stress, no matter where you go in yeah. life. If you, if we were on a deserted Island, you know, with just the people that we love the most, there'd still be stress. Oh, sure. So there's still stress <laughs> here, but there is a little, little something special about small towns yeah. where it's a, it's a different type of stress. And, and I feel like that, 
just because you're not sitting in, in traffic. And mm-hmm. so when you get home, I mean, I don't even have, a, I don't, <laughs> I, I ride my little one wheel to work, but you know, if there, there's not sitting in traffic and getting road rage and getting home and then, yeah, you know, and bringing that home type things. And, and so, and the cool thing about the world we live in now is that you could do most work from almost anywhere. And so for us, like when we were living in North Carolina, if we would do one brand deal, then it paid for, you know, maybe one's month's rent mm-hmm. and maybe some groceries. But here, one brand deals pays for four months of my mortgage payment. And That's so, true. It, it, and so there's just very practical things like that um, that are definitely a benefit. And then we're not that far from a city. No. And so, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, you go in the city and, and then you hit your your shopping, you hit your, you know, Whole Foods or whatever you may want to do. So it's, it's, it's a great place. And I think a perfect time for people to think about small town. Of course, I'm biased to Greenville, but I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see a lot of people trying to figure out these, these pockets, these small towns where you can live. And the stress level is just much lower. Agreed. Agreed. I couldn't do the traffic thing. I just couldn't. And yeah. And, and, and even more so now, you can work from home. So many people work from home. Why not live in a small town? And like you said, we're hop on the interstate. You can be in the city in a half hour. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a no brainer. Well, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Um, and I know that you, you're starting to work on a podcast yourself. Am I right? Am I wrong? It, it's uh, <laughs> I'm helping a few people start a few okay. first. Uh, we have done podcasts in the past. Okay. Uh, we are talking about that Tall Family podcast. Um, there, there's a few other things that we're working through before we get there, okay. uh, but but it is on our list. All right. Well, I thought there was something going on there. Yes. Uh, but thank you so much. I also want to thank our sponsors, Intertech Global, um, the folks with geothermal and solar solutions for your your home, or your business. You can find out more about Entertech Global at entertechusa.com. And to Bradford National Bank in Greenville, Highland, and Marine, and online, bradfordbank.com. Thank the our sponsors. Thank you, Greenville University, uh, the Smart Center in Greenville at the corner of 2nd and Main Streets, uh, right downtown across from the courthouse, and the Greenville Chamber of Commerce. And again, thank you, Rob, so much. Yeah, we thank look forward you. to seeing what, what's to come. 